0: We're continuing in God's Word this morning together in the book of Judges, and we're continuing in the Deborah account. She was the fourth judge. Um, We're going to pick up where we left off in the reading last Sunday morning. So verse 17 is picking up from last week. But like I mentioned last week, verse 11, which is in the first half of the chapter, is, um, is, is kind of an insertion which relates to 17 through 24. So I'm going to start reading at verse 11 and then skip ahead to verse 17. Let's listen together to God's holy and infallible word. Now, Heber the Kenite had left the other Kenites, the descendants of Hobab, Moses' brother-in-law, and pitched his tent by the great tree in Zananim near Kedesh. Verse 17. Well, what we have in 12 through 16 is the battle that uh, the Lord won for Israel in, in just an astoundingly miraculous way, like we talked about the last couple of weeks. The leader of the enemy, the commander of the enemy army was Sisera. So, verse 17, Sisera fled on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite, because there were friendly relations between Jabin, king of Hazor, and the clan of Heber the Kenite. Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, Come, my lord, come right in. Don't be afraid. And so he entered her tent and she put a covering over him. I'm thirsty, Sisera said. Please give me some water. And she opened a skin of milk, gave him a drink, and covered him up. Stand in the doorway of the tent, he told her. If someone comes by and asks you, is anyone here, say no. But Jael, Heber's wife, picked up a tent peg and a hammer and went quietly to him while he lay fast asleep, exhausted. She drove the peg through his temple into the ground, and he died. Barak, remember that was the guy leading Israel's army, chasing every last enemy. Barak came by in pursuit of Sisera, and Jael went out to meet him. Come, she said, I will show you the man you're looking for. And so he went in with her, and there lay Sisera, with the tent peg through his temple, dead. On that day, God subdued Jabin, the Canaanite king, before the Israelites. And the hand of the Israelites grew stronger and stronger against Jabin, the Canaanite king, until they destroyed him. People of God, so last week we saw how Deborah, the judge, but also the prophet, spoke God's word to God's people in dark times. And, and we also saw, if you remember, how the meaning of her name, B, as in the insect, B-E-E, helps to show us the two major ways we see the impact of the word of God that she speaks in this chapter. We spoke last week about the stinging function of the Word of God. How people, maybe longtime members in the covenant family, the church, sometimes need to be stirred up in faith and called to action. Like Barak, they, well, we, all of us, need to be woken up on a regular basis. And we see. That Barak is stung and goes from being likely a pretty wimpy and sluggish believer to, in the New Testament, get his name on the list of the great heroes of faith that are listed in Hebrews 11. I'd mentioned that my best bee sting stories are not about me being stung, thankfully, but people around me, like my four-year-old sister years ago. Well, one Labor Day weekend at a family gathering at my mom's house, she lives outside of Allegan, Michigan, with my dad, my cousin was stung pretty badly. My cousin Aaron Bradford, um, his grandpa was Reverend Eugene Bradford, who was at Ebenezer CRC in Berwyn, Uh, years ago, and I know a number of you knew uh, Reverend Bradford. So this is his grandson. We were all out, my cousin, a couple years younger than me, we were all outside enjoying a beautiful day, and Aaron was drinking a can of beer. And it wasn't just Aaron. A number of us were. I did not want to paint the wrong picture. Aaron's always got a can of beer in his hand. That's not the case. Uh, We were enjoying some beverages. Um, He didn't realize that uh, a bee had crawled into... The can and he took a swallow and of course as he did the bee went into his mouth and stung him in the back of the throat as it was on the way to his stomach extremely painful place to be stung obviously and plus he and all of us were were concerned about the swelling right near his airway right and so they, I don't know what it was, a leave. They gave him something to, that brings swelling down or maybe just ibuprofen. It all turned out okay, but I can still picture Aaron sitting inside my mom's house with this look on his face, combination of intense pain and worry, almost like that, that wide-eyed emoji face that we sometimes use. He looks just like that. Well, one of the important functions of God's Word, continues to be to sting God's people in a sense. Like Barak last week, sometimes we need a little kick in the pants. And this is a, a critical function of the Bible. After all, Hebrews 2 says, God's word is sharper than a two-edged sword. That's There's a little pain with a two-edged sword, right? In the next part of the chapter that we read, God's word also has profound impact but in a different way more like honey and that reminds me what do bees say when they return to the hive honey i'm home (laughs) did you know that in order to produce one pound of honey two million flowers have to be visited a hive of bees has to fly 55,000 miles to produce that pound of honey. Uh, one And one bee colony can produce 60 to 100 pounds of honey per year. An average worker bee makes only about 1 12th of a teaspoon of honey in its entire lifetime. At home, we sometimes have peanut butter and honey sandwiches. We'll put honey on our cereal. I'll add a little honey to my smoothies to add sweetness. And now I know how much work goes into that honey we all enjoy. Uh, If you think about it, I mean, if a drop of honey, if you let it, if it falls on the ground, I mean, that's basically one bee's entire lifespan going to waste, which is a little sad. This second major impact of God's word that we read about in this chapter Is mentioned in Psalm 119, verse 103, that psalm that's all about the word of God. Verse 103 says, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. So before Jael comes on the scene with her hammer and tent peg, we read in verse 11 about her husband. Heber, the Kenite. We're told that the Kenites were connected to Moses. Now, Moses is the biggest leader and prophet of God's people in the whole Old Testament. And when his name comes up, it's not for nothing. When his name comes up, when, when the writers of the Bible bring up Moses, we got to pay attention because it's for a reason. We read that the Kenites are descendants of Hobab, who is Moses' brother-in-law. In In other words, the brother of his wife, Zipporah. What's the point of all this? What's the significance of this? Well, the connection to Moses, the leader of God's people, this means that Heber had connections to God's people. He was shirt tail relation. And that's a really good place to be, right? To be, have a connection with the people of God, this people that God was giving the land of Canaan to. You'd want to be connected to them as closely as possible. But Heber wasn't at the center of the covenant and the covenant people like Barrack of Naphtali from last week, but he was more on the outskirts, like on the fringes of the church. Even more so on the outskirts because we read that he removed himself from the Kenites and pitched his tent elsewhere. And, And so we're beginning to see where Heber's allegiance was. His people had some connection with the covenant people, and as a result, had some connection with the Lord. They were within the bounds of God's grace, though on the very edge. But Heber chose to leave even that position, not of the center of grace, but still in the realm of God's grace. And we get even more evidence that Heber was dist- Distancing himself from God and his people because we read in verse 17 that he had friendly relations with Jabin, the Canaanite overlord and king who Sisera worked for. And so Heber chose to be an ally with the enemy of Israel instead of choosing to be amongst God's people. Last week, we read that a woman, right, would get the glory for the victory and how it wouldn't be Deborah like you'd expect. Well, we find here that it turns out to be Jael who gets the glory for the victory. Jael, who is Heber's wife. Sisera is fleeing the Israelites who are chasing down every last enemy after that battle. Sisera figures rightly that he should be safe in the tents of Heber, because Heber was a friend of his boss, Jabin. But of course, he ends up not being safe there because of Jael's grit. And he actually, in in telling her what to say, he unknowingly predicts his own death, because he says To jail, stand guard outside the tent while I rest. If someone comes by and asks you, is anyone here, say no. He was telling her to lie. He didn't realize that would actually be the truth because pretty soon only a dead person would be in that tent. Sisera's death is ironic in a different way, too. Uh, We find out at the end of chapter five which is a poetic and divine perspective on all the history in chapter 4, we learn there something we didn't hear in chapter 4, that Sisera, as part of his terrorizing of Israel for 20 years, also abused women. And something we wouldn't expect also is that a, a hammer and a tent peg were women's tools in those days. It was considered women's work to put up and take down the tents so the next time you as a family go camping remember the wife sets up the tent but the point is that sisera had a very deserving death for the type of guy we read he is the man who has for many years treated women as objects he's killed by a womanly object So his wife, Jael, had apparently heard about Israel's battle with Sisera, and she very deliberately decides to side with God's people and with the Lord. And against her husband, Heber, he he wasn't around apparently, who knows what he was out doing, but he wasn't around, Um, he would not have been pleased with this. Um, The Bible talks about wives respecting their husbands, but obviously Respecting the Lord comes first in our lives. And so, Jael made the right choice here. More importantly, even than choosing God over her husband, as important as that was, um, in putting that stake through Sisera's temple, she was emphatically staking her claim with God's people and with the Lord himself. So Heber and Jael, this husband and wife, as Kenites, were on the fringes of the church. Sort of one foot in the world, one foot in the church among God's people. It could go either way for them. Heber went to the world. Jael went into the church. Got closer to God's people. And and this was through the power of God's word as it's being spoken through Deborah the prophet in this chapter. It somehow reached even Jael and she responded. Psalm 119 says God's word is like honey and it attracted this woman on the fringes. Jael's name means mountain goat and she went from being a mountain goat to joining God's flock and putting yourself under the care of the good shepherd, which is, of course, where you and I need to be too, right? That's where little Bodhi and all our covenant children need to be. And it's where we want others to be too, like others around us in our, in our family who might be distant from the Lord, in our communities, in our neighborhoods. And thinking of others, they say that most people in our society, in American society, um, still have a covenant memory, a church memory. In other words, for most, a lot of folks, even if they don't attend church, even if they're not part of a church, well, they remember their grandma was. And even if they don't come to worship, Amazing Grace remains one of the most well-known songs out there by everyone. We're called to get God's word to the people out there on the edge with maybe only a hazy covenant memory anymore if any, memory of the church. And, and, and how, you know, this is talking about outreach, obviously, and evangelism, and how we've got to approach that, I think, is less the way we often approach it, I think, and I think we have to approach it less this way. Hey, join our church because we've got so much to offer you and your family. Though that's very true, But I think our approach based on this text needs to be more join us because God has gifted you in unique ways and in ways that will help the people of God. You will make us better. Your presence will make us more the church that God has called us to be. After all, jail, the woman on the fringes, had the most important role of all. Not Barak, the lifelong church member. Jael killed the commander of the army, and that became the beginning of the end for Jabin and that oppression of his for Israel. In addition to people out there, there are also people in the church who are a bit on the outskirts, maybe living with one foot in the world, not really engaged in the things of God, not really engaged in the church of God, not praying much for the church, not giving much. And I mention prayer and giving because if those two things aren't happening in someone's life, it's almost always a sign of deeper spiritual immaturity at the very best or a deeper spiritual illness and unwellness at worst. We pray that God's word would reach people so that they can be drawn in and become part of the mission of the church. We need everyone's gifts to be all that we can be as God's church here at Faith. And if you feel this might possibly be you, one foot in the church but one foot in the world a bit on the outskirts of church life i'd really encourage you to listen carefully because god may be talking to you through his word today and calling you like jail to make a decisive and bold choice to step up to step in you want to stake your claim with God's people in life you don't want there to be any ambiguity about your allegiance and commitment and, and frankly the fact is God's church at faith needs all of us every single one not just the people that we that that church people think of uh, as sort of the inner circle, not just the people who regularly serve on council, who who are involved up front in worship, who are leading different ministries. If you don't, if you're not part of any of those groups, guess what though? You are needed too. Just like jail was needed. who was on the edges, but then God used her to do an important work because she made a bold, decisive choice to stake her claim with the people of God. And so God's word has this amazing double-edged purpose. Like Barak, any number of us need to be stung a bit, woken up. We need to be strengthened for battle, and we need to become more courageous in our lives instead of always playing it safe. And like honey, God's word also can attract and draw those on the fringes in. Genesis 3.15, back in that first book of the Bible, the first chapters, it has that great promise that though humankind fell into sin, the promise is that God will save his people. And to accomplish that purpose... God uses not only the already engaged and involved, but also those on the edges to drive a stake into the head of the serpent. We're all important in this operation, in the battle against the enemy, uh, from our little babies to our little children and students and so on up, all the rest, all ages, all backgrounds, no matter where and what the extent of your commitment is right now. Uh, and there are people not yet here as well who God wants to draw in and use and who are vital to our mission, who, who God will use with their talents and the relationships they have. And if, if they're not in the church and in the world, that means they may have many more Relationships in the world than we do who are part of the church community. And, and all of this is so that more and more people become part of the Lord's flock. And so that more and more people are living their lives in the best way possible, which is under the care of our good shepherd. Jesus, God's word become flesh, used this twofold strategy. Uh, when he walked this earth, right? He stung the Pharisees, the religious leaders, who, who needed to be jarred, but they were numb. They resisted. They didn't wake up to, to God's word challenging them, and, and we certainly don't want to be like that. We, we want to respond. Jesus also often used honey, with the sinners, the outcasts, the people on the fringes of the covenant family. And many were drawn right into the center of the family of God. Even, even all of us, right? Sinners like us. This account of Sisera prefigures, looks ahead to the time when, when stakes were put in Jesus' hands and feet on the cross to destroy the enemy, the devil himself. And from there Jesus rose again and by his spirit God's word and the message of his salvation and grace would go out to all the world and now we become part of the task of sharing his word that has such an impact. And once we're stung by God's word, woken up or sweetly drawn in, we're called to pollinate the world. Maybe the third most Likely, function of bees that we think of. We're called to pollinate the world with God's love and grace and truth. And we talk about being salt and light, right? Um, That means that we're called to bloom for the Lord in our lives out there. To live lives that attract others to Jesus, to His people, to the Father's family, to the church. And God's Word can have the impact it needs to have in our lives and from our lives out there if we would but ask the Holy Spirit to use us more. Let's pray. Oh God, thank you so much for uh, the how we see the power and the impact of your word in this account of of deborah in times long ago thank you oh god how for how your word continues uh, to have uh, an impact lord second uh, timothy 3 says your word is powerful and effective may your word have Powerful effect uh, in our church with and among the people that we have relationship with. Lord, jolt us where we need to wake up. We can be very lazy. We can... And so, Lord, wake us up to what you have for us. And Lord, draw in with the sweetness of your word those on the fringes, those in society who um, barely have a covenant memory anymore. And and use us, Lord, even us, uh, in this great mission of of reaching people with your word. Help your people uh, to bloom wherever you have us be even in this week to come, even in the rest of this day. In your name we pray, amen.